first down, they hand off to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT. And he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What is going on, Colts Nation? And welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Colts win again. Colts defeat the Detroit Lions by a score of 41 to 21. The Colts improved to 5 and 2 on the season. Great win for the Colts, uh, especially away from home. Colts really looked good on all sides of the, of the ball. Uh, so, Derek, what are your overall thoughts here, man, of this game? I know you were streaming the game yesterday. Give me your impressions of this game and this victory. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of felt a little bit <clears throat> like the Cincinnati Bengals game all over again. Only difference is, is we didn't go down by 21, and we kind of caught on a little bit quicker towards the middle of that game. So, uh, But yeah, overall, you know, the offense, overall, the whole picture, offense looked really good. Uh, obviously, the run game, still a little suspicious, but uh, Jordan Wilkins was definitely a bright spot, averaging nearly five yards a carry. So he definitely picked up the pace. Phillip Rivers, again, for the second straight week, looking really good. Obviously, Detroit Lions defense, not necessarily a big uh, topic right now. But, I mean, for the pressure they were getting on Rivers, Rivers still looked calm and efficient all the way through and through. So, again, props to Phillip Rivers. Defense, again, looked really solid. Obviously, uh, the stats tell you Matt Stafford threw pretty well for numbers-wise, but overall, the defense did a really good job. And, you know, special teams was a little bit of a question. You know, I mean, Blankenship had two missed extra points. Uh, that almost came to hurt us in the uh, second quarter. Thankfully, Matt Prater missed that field goal. But, uh, and obviously, the block punt that occurred early in the game, Again, this the team just didn't look prepared early. But overall, Sanchez still had some good punts. Blankenship did hit a kick or two. So, you know, special teams here and there, a little iffy. But overall, team got the win, and it was uh, pretty decisive. Yeah, and that's what matters. You said it. Like early on, I'm like, oh, no, here we go again. This yeah. is exactly what happened la uh, two weeks ago, rather, the last game the Colts played against the Bengals. I'm just like, what is going on? You've had two weeks to prepare, prepare for them. Your offense was looking like garbage early on. It just made no sense. You know, you go three and out, and you're just like, okay, what's happening? You know, first drive, Rivers gets sacked, and you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> Here yeah, we go. Yeah. Uh, and it, we've just been used and accustomed to the last couple of weeks, just some poor starts, and that's just been really weird. Usually Frank Reich's teams uh, are pretty decent, uh, and it's kind of just been weird to see that happen. But let's get into some of the stats of this game. Uh, overall, the total yards were pretty even, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, the Colts had 366 total yards. The Lions, 326. Uh, the Colts had six more first downs than the Lions did. The Colts had 26. The Lions had 20. Uh, here's some things, though. These were the deciding factors, I think. The Colts possessed the ball 37 minutes and 46 seconds, whereas the Detroit Lions possessed the ball only 22 minutes and 14 seconds, which is huge. And the big stat, Colts – 
zero turnovers committed by this offense and two turnovers forced by this defense. I mean, that's huge. Those two factors right there, those are when you a lot of ball games, Derek. Absolutely. And, you know, time of possession-wise in that first half was so far away from the advantage of the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, that first half, I think the Colts actually had the ball for about 20 minutes or more of that first half, which is like, how in the world are the Colts in that first quarter, the Colts had 11 minutes of that 15, first 15 that were them. So it's like, how in the world are the Colts only tied when they had the ball almost three times as long as the Lions? It was kind of, it was kind of misleading at first. But then again, as you saw, as the game went on, they still continued to maintain time of possession and that worked to their favor in the end. And like you said, turnovers. Uh, how many did you say the Lions committed yesterday? They committed two. So that would be yeah. the Kenny Moore pick six. And I believe there was a oh, – it, I, I it was remember. a strip was sack a, by Darius Leonard. Yep. Yeah, Darius, Darius Leonard strip sack. I had, to, I had to represent today because, <laughs> hey, the maniac is back, folks. Yeah. And we love it, all right? Dude, I had yeah. to represent today. But, yeah, um, but yeah, like you said, uh, no turnovers which is great. If Phillip Rivers can continue to just keep the ball from being intercepted, obviously the running backs do a good job of not fumbling the football. So, and you know what's ironic, Cody, is do you know that's the first fumble recovery the Colts have had all season? That is crazy to me. That is crazy to think about. We're wow. halfway through the season, and that is the first fumble recovery we've actually uh, recovered. I mean, we forced a couple, but we've never recovered one. And, you know, that was that is crazy to think about. But, of course, the first one of the season happened to be from Darius Leonard himself. I mean, who else yeah. but to do that? But right. um, the other stat that you didn't mention, that was the big one, I think. And that is the rushing yards. I know the yes. Colts didn't do anything with it, but 29 rushing yards for the Detroit Lions yesterday. I mean, you're – Talk about a unbalanced offense when it comes to that. You're making right. Matt Stafford be the hero. And, I mean, I know he can do that, but, I mean, he had to come from behind the whole way. The Colts right. never let them do anything on the run. The best run they had all day was an eight-yard Adrian Peterson run, and that was on the second drive of the game. So, I mean, yeah. Indianapolis just did a phenomenal job. And, I mean, that – plays into everyone. I mean, the holes were filled so well. I mean, it seemed like halfway through that game, the Lions were just losing three or four yards on every run they had. Yeah, I have the stats actually here, Derek. This is crazy. I posted this yesterday on Twitter. So you mentioned the best run was Adrian Peterson, eight-yard carry. Peterson actually only finished with seven yards. So the leading rusher for the Detroit Lions yesterday do you, do you know who it is by chance? Uh, wasn't it? Uh, was it potentially Agnew? Because I think yes. he had that. Uh, he had that reverse that went yep. for like 12, 13 yards or something. Yeah. So Agnew, Jamal Agnew is was their leading rusher. One attempt, eleven yards. Yep. Leading rusher. <laughs> yep. That was that reverse. Number two, yep. Matthew Stafford. He had one one scramble for ten yards. Beyond <laughs> that, Derek, this is this is a crazy stat. Between Adrian Peterson and DeAndre Swift. They had 11 carries for eight yards. They didn't even average a yard per carry. That's, That's how Southwest Colts defense was against the run last uh, against the Lions. It's crazy. That is yep. such a crazy stat to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. It goes to show you again that this Colts defense, there's a reason they keep saying that the Colts defense, rush defense, is one of the best in the NFL. And I mean, it goes to show you again there, Grover Stewart and Buckner getting pressure up the middle, the outside guys not losing contain, and the linebackers just filling the holes. Anthony Walker, Bobby Okariki, Darius Leonard, all were hitting their holes correctly. Hell, you even had Kenny Moore and a couple other guys coming off the edges making tackles of their own. It's like the Colts could do no wrong yesterday in their rush defense. Absolutely. Let's just stay with this defense. We already just mentioned the rush defense. Let's talk about the secondary. Now, you know, on on paper, it wasn't like the greatest day for the secondary. Mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford had 336 yards, three touchdowns. He did throw an interception. But this is a couple things that stand out to me. Kenny Galladay, I know he got hurt, but in Mid- that yeah, first midway half, to the second, yeah. In that first half, he had four targets for zero catches. Yep. Xavier Rhodes was doing a phenomenal job on him. Rhodes were closed again, folks. Rhodes were closed. Absolutely. And uh, the Colts also got to Matthew Stafford five times. I mean, Derek, you probably you were watching the game. Matthew Stafford at the end of the game, he was beat up, man. Oh, he had yeah. a bloody hand, and he was just getting the crap beat out of him. He and that's was- just a, nor- a trend that I've noticed. When teams play the Colts' defense, Baker Mayfield a couple weeks ago, after that game, even though the Browns won, he said, that is the most beat up I've ever felt after a game. Yeah, And, you know, credit the Colts' defense. Even if you beat them, you're going to feel them every single snap. Yep. Matt Stafford was was angry at the end of that game, man. I mean, to his own fault a little bit, too. There were a bunch of throws yesterday that he missed that he will probably own up to. But you're right. I mean, he was getting hit a lot yesterday. Don't even forget the five sacks. I mean, he was getting pressured a lot. He was having to move around, get out of the pocket several times. He he felt like there was a, a guy coming behind him all the time. I mean, the guys that had a day yesterday, Tyquan Lewis, just yep. phenomenal game again. The two, two sacks, exactly. Danico Autry with two sacks. I mean, I, I think Danico Autry has found a new light. I think he enjoys playing off the edge. I think he really enjoys it. He has played so well this year. I don't know how many sacks he has on the year, but he has to at least have five so far. Yeah. And obviously Darius Leonard found himself a strip sack as well. How fitting of him, you know, nine tackles, uh, a sack, a forced fumble, and a tackle for a loss. I mean, what a great game for your uh, game back. It honestly felt like he had more tackles than that too because there were multiple times in that third, fourth quarter that he was all over the field. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. The pressure on the quarterback yesterday, it was really good. Five sacks, that's definitely going to create some problems. Yeah, so Autry has four sacks. I was just checking that stat. Oh, four sacks in the And I think it's crazy, Derek, because this was something that I didn't notice because I was a little bit late to watching the game. Tyquan Lewis got his first start at defensive end. This is a guy that I said, and you, we both said uh, in the video we made during the bye week, one, one of the number one guy that needs more snaps was Tyquan Lewis because he was producing. I mean, this is back-to-back games he's he's gotten to the passer now. Tyquan Lewis is is right up there for leading the team in sacks. And, I mean, you get your backup defensive end, I guess, Danico Autry has two sacks too. So, overall, man, it's just, it's crazy. Both your defensive end, who are kind of fighting for that position, end up with four sacks in total, which is crazy to me. Uh, and, and you mentioned and- Darius, Darius Leonard, man. I mean, Darius Leonard was huge. He was huge. Uh-huh. He was pivotal to this game. I mean, we, we think about that. 
and I and I also tweeted out, you know, it was great. Like I felt like the Colts linebackers did a pretty good job with the absence of Darius Leonard. But like mm-hmm. you said off air, Derek, you cannot replace the maniac. You can't. Oh, no. When he no. when he made that fumble, force fumble, and the Colts recovered it, Colts went on to score twenty one points. Twenty one to twenty one to seven, and that was ultimately the deciding factor. Because you think about that, Derek. If the Lions go down and they score there, that's a completely different ball game. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And they were on their side of the field too. And it was, you know, it was getting to the point where like, oh man, they're coming down and we had missed a, uh, I think we had uh, not scored the previous drive and we were like, oh man, you know, if the Lions score here, this game's about to be uh, different. And you're right. Just the shift in momentum that a guy like Darius Leonard can provide you in a defense is just it's unmatched. And also I'll say again about Tyquan Lewis, he had the two sacks, he had five pressures, a couple tackles as well. He did that on 45 snaps yesterday. I mean, yeah. again, it is just going to show you. I mean, he did that in 40 snaps. It's like, dude, this guy is showing you if you give him even more snaps, how much more production we're going to get out of him. That rip move is working really well for him right now. I'll just say this. I am loving what Tyquan Lewis is doing. I really hope he continues this because you and I were one of the biggest critics of him. We're just like everyone else that was saying, is there a spot on this roster for him going forward? I mean, Ballard, we told him, Ballard probably said, this is your last chance, dude. Show us something here so we can keep you around. And Lord, is he doing it? Oh boy, he is. And I am so glad, like, that he is doing that because we he could have been another Quincy Wilson, quite honestly, a high mm-hmm. pick that didn't pan out and just got into his own head too much and just it didn't work out. And so I am so glad to see Tyquan Lewis took this season, took this offseason, said, all right, I know I'm a talented player. I got to get back physically and mentally to where I was at Ohio State. So yep. he made a concerted effort to do that, and it has paid dividends, man. A shout-out to Brian Baker. Oh, yeah, please. Oh, I mean, yeah. you see the development from Tyquan Lewis, a guy that you know couldn't even get on the field the first couple seasons. He seems to have done that for, like, everyone, not just Tyquan. Yeah. Like, you know, Danico Autry's doing exactly. it. Muhammad's getting into a couple plays. You know, like, it just seems like for a bunch of these guys, Baker has really just – seem to have found a motivation within them to just want to play harder. And it, man, yeah. is it working? That's what I love about Frank Reich's coaching staff. They develop players. That is oh, yeah. so huge. I mean, there's so many players on this Colts team that they kind of came in and they were a little bit of like project players and they have developed into, into some really, really solid players. And that's a credit to the coaching staff. They've done a great job working with these guys. I've really been very pleased, especially with Brian Baker, because we knew the Colts defensive line had talent. We knew they had immense talent. I mean, heck, they spent back-to-back second-round picks, I guess three second-round picks on defensive linemen. So they they had talent there. We're just like, okay, now you got to mold it into legitimate NFL starters, guys who are going to make an impact. Brian Baker has done that, and it's just been great to see, especially Tyquan Lewis, a guy that you mentioned we were so critical of. We said he could be cut by yeah. the end of training camp if he yeah, doesn't honestly. step it up. And, I mean, he goes from cut candidate to starter. 
Tremendous story yeah. through seven weeks. Oh, yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is I was thinking about this also um, to go off of Taekwon Lewis here. That one guy we did not mention a lot of yesterday, and that was DeForest Buckner. And, yeah. you know, because it seemed like everybody else was making plays. And my God, do people hold him so much? I mean, I was watching a bunch of those plays yesterday. My God, he gets held. <laughs> so much. I think Eberflus actually was mentioning how uh, they actually are sending clips to the NFL. You know how sometimes college will do that? They'll send film to like the NCAA to tell their refs to start watching like how these kids are held. Eberflus yeah. is doing the same thing with the NFL. Like tell your officials to – Start watching DeForest Buckner. He's getting held almost every play. I'm telling yeah. you, he breaks through the line and the guys are holding him to push him out of the way. It's like, God, can we get a can we get a hold on DeForest Buckner, please? Right. Like seriously. Yeah, it's getting to I, be annoying. Right. And I think <laughs> the beauty of it, even if DeForest Buckner doesn't show up on the stat sheet. He's making an impact because he's demanding double teams. He's demanding double teams. He was Everyone doing that has to yesterday. Do. Oh yeah, it was single. It was single man to man, just one v one all day, and the Colts were able to do it, and they took advantage of it. I mean, five sacks tells a big story. It does. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. I mean, this defense. Uh, you know, there's some things to clean up, obviously, but yeah. I felt like it was a really good day for this defense overall, from start to finish. Kind of had some wacky plays there that resulted in some Lions points, like that 70-yard bomb on third and long. Yeah. Which is you know, just kind of like, what one, just It was happened? like one of the only receptions that Xavier Rhodes allowed all game. Like, yeah. you know, it's like but we, everyone forgets the 0-4 that he did on Kenny Galladay. But, man, the 70-yard bomb where Matt Stafford just, just says, go get it, here you go. And, like, I mean – you have those. You have those. Yeah. It sucks, but you have those. It's just right. unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, because you know the, the Lions after in the second half, their game plan was evident. Right? They had to throw the football. They had to get aggressive. So yeah. I mean, I knew it was going to happen. But I mean, again, yards yards don't mean anything if you don't score points. And exactly, you know, again, the uh, pick six by Kenny Moore, uh, another mistake that Matt Stafford made they took advantage of it so again you know 21 points not too bad against a, a pretty talented offense in the Lions and you know and, it worked out and really I don't hold that first touchdown against the Colts defense they got screwed over with that block punt oh yeah when so, you have to when you get stuck with the short end of the field after a block punt like that yeah. For not only are you on a short leash, you already, but the psychological aspect of it is okay, great. We know they're going to score because they're already in field goal range. That's the best case scenario is that we, th that we're still going to give up points is basically your, the defense's mentality when you go out there. And then, I mean, what? I mean, freaking Xavier Rhodes was right there in the middle with Marvin Jones. It was just a good throw across the middle. It's, not much yeah. you can do about that. Right. Just a good player making a good play. I definitely agree there. Yep. Um, one thing I want to talk about before we shift over to the offense, Anthony Walker. You know, yeah. we, we've said we like Anthony Walker, which is, you know, we do. He's a, I think he's a solid linebacker. He's definitely been a draft steal from when you drafted him in the fifth round on mm -hmm. uh, Ballard's first year, 2017. 
But we saw him get exposed a little bit in the pass coverage game, especially on that second Lions scoring drive. He really got he really struggled um, in pass coverage, and I think that's a big reason, Derek, why the Colts. You know, Bobby Okereke majorly outsnapped him. I think that's a big reason, especially in that second half when Detroit's down big. You mentioned they just have to start throwing it. They abandoned the run. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Walker struggling a little bit? And then I saw some people you know, on Twitter and different stuff like that saying, should the Colts resign? I don't know if they're going to resign Anthony Walker, which I think is complete rubbish. But complete uh, what rubbish. is your thought on that? Yeah, I'll just say it right now. It's complete rubbish to anyone who thinks that Anthony Walker isn't going to at least get a deal from Chris Ballard. Chris, ba That's going to be one of the first few guys this offseason that Ballard's going to want to try to re-sign because of that. I mean, he is definitely really good. And again, when you have the praise of Darius Leonard going after him, that's also another reason why I think they'll re-sign him because again, a great locker room guy, and when you're best buddies with the best linebacker in football, I mean, they want to keep him around. You got to keep Darius Leonard happy. You want to keep Anthony Walker happy because, again, Anthony Walker plays really well in the run defense. But, yeah, like you said, it, he, we knew this, right? We knew this. Anthony Walker is not great in coverage. It's just not who he is. And you're right. That's why Bobby Okariki's snap count continues to rise while Anthony Walker's continues to fall. And I mean, there was th the reason why Anthony Walker's snaps were so far down yesterday is because when the Colts took the lead, the Lions abandoned the run. You knew they were going to pass. So you take out your run defender, you put in the guy that obviously is quicker and is better in pass coverage. And we all know this. Bobby Okereke is going to continue to be the main dominant guy in the uh, on the outside when it comes to pass coverage. Um you know, how much more can Anthony Walker learn? I mean, that's that's the one thing Anthony Walker's just going to have to learn. If he's going to be on this team for the long haul going forward, he does need to definitely try to get better in pass coverage. I mean, I think it's just oftentimes just understanding scheme. But, yeah, it, it, it certainly is a uh, question mark on this Colts defense. And a lot of people were saying that, you know, when we face Baltimore this week, that Anthony Walker needs to – like not see the field at all, which is hilarious because you want to stop Lamar Jackson from running the football. So you want Anthony Walker on the field because of the, the ability for them to run. They got JK Dobbins and Lamar Jackson, who right now are obviously killing it when it comes to the run department. But um, yeah, it certainly is a struggle for Anthony Walker. I hope that he continues to get better, but you know, it, yesterday, it, yesterday at least it didn't result in our defense struggling too much. But you're right. That's one of the probably the biggest weakness in our pass coverage right now is the middle of the field with Anthony Walker. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he got beat on a couple different plays, and especially that touchdown play in that second drive for the Lions where they scored. Uh, but that'll be something to monitor going forward. But, yeah, I think that is a big reason. You know why Okariki is getting a little bit more snaps than Walker now, um, which I think is totally understandable. Yeah. All right, let's shift over now. Um, 
I guess before we do, let me let me talk about an injury on the defense to monitor. Uh, cornerback Rocky Sen left uh, the game yesterday with an apparent concussion. Now it's been updated that he pretty much cleared concussion protocol pretty quickly, so it looks like uh, he should be good to go moving forward, which is a great sign. Uh, the Colts right now number two corner, so that that's huge. Uh, let's and, um, to the offense, though. Let's and real quick, Rocky Sen actually hasn't allowed a touchdown since week four. Thing. Okay. I think everybody should know that. And for anyone that was saying Rocky ascends a bust and we need to get rid of him. <laughs> Just had to, to slip that in there. Had to slip that one in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about this Colts offense. Let's talk about Phil Rivers, man. Like, good grief. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, a Phil Rivers saying to say he's pretty dang stinking good right now. <laughs> uh, yesterday was 23 of 33, 262 yards. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, 103.5 quarterback rating. Phil Rivers is on fire. He's been on fire the last two weeks. Only one turnover from Phillip Rivers the last two weeks. Uh, it's been great to see him, man, just continue to uh, thrive in this offense, continue to get a little bit more comfortable in this offense. The last two weeks, he's 52 of 77. 633 yards, six touchdowns, one interception, 114 passer rating. Thoughts on Rivers? Well, I definitely can say for the last two weeks that the defense are saying, Dead gummit. Dead uh, gummit. The last couple of weeks, for sure, of having to face Phillip Rivers. Uh, yeah, he's taking advantage of, you know, some more weaker defenses, I guess I should say, but he's taking full advantage of them. I mean, obviously, you said it. Uh, completing over 70% of his passes over the last two weeks and throwing for six over 600 yards and six touchdowns, only one interception. I mean, he certainly is feeling good. Um, you know, it's kind of crazy to think because yesterday it didn't feel like he was that accurate. You know, there were a couple throws early that he just looked like he, he just didn't look like he was in the zone at all. And then it's almost like, again, he flipped a switch. You know, it's it felt like week six again against Cincinnati, where it's just like that second quarter, time to time to turn it on. And yep. he certainly did. And, you know, it also helped with having Naheem Hines making the plays he was making, which I'm yeah. sure we're going to talk about here in a second. Oh, yeah. But, you know, when you finally have that one playmaker that's kind of just opening things up, then you just start to feel a little more confident in yourself to make more plays. And, you know, Zach Pascal had a couple of them. Uh, Trey Burton had a few catches there. Uh, Jack Doyle as well. Molly Cox got a little more involved. I mean, we were questioning whether or not, you know, Molly Cox was actually going to play in this game, but he did end up being active. And in the beginning part of the game, Molly Cox was the tight end in the beginning, and he was moving the chains very well. So it was good to see Molly Cox get a couple receptions. Um, you know, Michael Pittman was non-existent in this game, but I mean, they were using him mainly for the run. But uh, Marcus Johnson had a couple. But yeah, Philip Rivers again, just moving the ball everywhere. Just that's who he is spreads the ball around. But again, yeah, like you said in the, in the first quarter, just wasn't feeling it at all. And then once the second quarter came up again, he just, it just seems like he flipped a switch in his head and just, and just started being the old Phillip rivers. Yeah. Zero points in that first quarter, 20 points in that second quarter. So something shifted very quickly. And, you know, and, and, and how about those people? Shout out to those people who said Philip Rivers' arm was done. Shout out to those people. 
because I don't know how I many more weeks we have to keep saying it. I don't know right. how many more weeks we have to keep saying it. I mean, I, I tweeted it yesterday. That long pass that was a pass interference to Ashton Doolin. Okay, mm-hmm. a quarterback that has a noodle arm does not make that throw. Yeah. Phillip Rivers, that's the beauty of having a quarterback. For all those Jacoby Brissett lovers out there, that is the beauty of having a quarterback that's not afraid to take chances like that. That mm-hmm. can happen. That can change a drive. And that's what I love about Phillip Rivers, what he did. And, and you mentioned Naheem Hines, man. Let's talk about him. <laughs> Only three catches, for, but for 54 yards and two touchdowns. How about that highlight first one? I mean, good grief. Naheem, Naheem Hines catches – Rivers like launches it, just lobs it up. Yeah, and and that's great. That's what you want for as your quarterback because, well, for one, he was getting pressured, but you want to you want to just lob it up, just let your guy because especially since he saw nobody was there and you don't want to overthrow him by any chance, just lob it up, just let him sail underneath it, catch it, make that baseball catch is what you prefer it as. Just sail under it, catch it, and then just let him go do his thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, good grief. And that play that Hines made after that, I mean, that just shows this man's athleticism. He is still criminally underused in this Colts offense. Oh, yeah. This man needs to see more catches and more targets yes, his play. He can make those highlight plays. I mean, who knew that Naheem Hines – I mean, we knew he was athletic. And, man, the celebration from Naheem Hines. Let's talk about that. Not just once, but twice. Who knew Naheem Hines could do that? I mean, I can barely – I can't do that on a trampoline. I mean, oh, no. crazy. No way. No way. I, I could, couldn't even do the cartwheel. I mean, he said, what was it? He said he did uh, stuff with the uh, cheerleaders at his high school when he used to practice that. And he said he did it on a trampoline a couple times too, just to practice it. But I mean, holy cow. I mean, a 360 turnaround flip like that, that is, that is crazy. He didn't stick the landing the second time. Uh, but that first time, though, wow. And, I mean, who was it that greeted him? I think it was Pittman in the end, but uh, somebody was hyped for him at the end of that celebration. <laughs> I was, too. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it, it, th- that was great. That was great fun. That energized everybody. But, I mean, look, he had four targets yesterday. And the first target he missed, he missed it because he didn't – I think Zach Pascal threw that trick play ball – too early because Hines had yet to break out of the coverage that he was facing and Pascal just let it loose and Hines never actually was able to track it from the very beginning. And obviously Pascal was pissed because, you know, if Hines had actually seen that ball, that was a touchdown because there was nobody in front of him. That was another touchdown that he missed. And then the, what was it? The, the uh, catch that he dropped in the, uh, it was Middle I think it was the third quarter, yeah. or it was late third, early fourth, and he he just dropped it, and it's like, dude, you had nothing but open field in front of you again. That was a 20, 30-yard catch again. It's like, yeah. oh, it was nothing but big play potential yesterday for Naheem Hines, and, you know, the two plays that he didn't make, uh, he ended up making two that counted, and man, those those two plays were really huge. And that second one, beautiful throw by Rivers. Mm-hmm. Hines never had to break stride. That ball was perfect, right in the hip pocket. I mean, that was that was a beautiful throw. And I mean, that's what I want to see more of for Naheem Hines. He is a matchup nightmare for almost anyone you put on him because he's so fast. 
Yeah. Naheem Hines, man, he just he deserves to get the ball more. He just makes those plays. And that was a, like you said, I mean, that's why you signed Phillip Rivers, man. He can just put it where nobody else can get it. And I just love to see that, that connection from from Hines to River, from Rivers to Hines. That's the connection we hope to see earlier on in the season. And it's great yeah. to see them finding it now. Hopefully that, that trend continues. Um, let's talk about this running game. It was a weird day for the Colts running game. To start off, they couldn't run the ball to save their life. Jonathan Taylor, at the end of the day, on 11 carries, only had 22 yards. It was very confusing. Um, it just seemed like it was very, very predictable, too, in a lot of ways, um, with running with Jonathan Taylor, and even in a couple occasions with Jordan Wilkins, of just like, why are we running it up the middle on second and long? I felt like that yeah, was a trend, and I was like, stop running it on second and long. It is not working, but... Fortunately, you know, Jordan Wilkins, I think they said Jonathan Taylor was a little bit banged up. So that's why he didn't really see much of the field in the second half. But Jordan Wilkins did a great job. He carried the ball 20 times, by far his career high, for 89 yards uh, in a touchdown and averaged about four and a half yards per carry. Jordan Wilkins did a really good job when called upon. We, we knew Jordan Wilkins when he got the ball in his hands. He was probably averaging a good amount of yards. But with a higher volume of carries, Jordan Wilkins' average still was pretty darn good. What were your thoughts on him and also Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, um, the running scheme yesterday uh, also just put me in question of Frank Reich a lot too because, like, again, you and I both tweeted this during the game. Why the hell did we run three straight plays with Jordan Wilkins up the middle inside the inside the, the tackles? Why three straight times? It, and then it ended up being a four, a three and out. It's like it, why it, the drives like that that end like that are just so depleting for an offense and for a defense because it's like, damn, we got to go back on the field because of that crap. You know, it's like. I know that you have faith in your in your team, and I know that the Colts want to continue to remain a run-heavy team. I get it. I understand that. But you couldn't get creative on one of those plays, you know, throw throw a throw a curveball in there, you know, because running it inside the tackles three straight times, especially after you knew all game long that that wasn't working, you decide to do it anyway. It just yeah. doesn't make any sense. So, I mean. Again, a- another abysmal day that you just forget the run game, but there were a couple runs there that Jordan Wilkins had late in the game that kind of just dragged the game on, and it uh, it kind of just gave the Colts another excuse to score one more time. You know, it kind of put the game away, which is good. I mean, the run game at the end of the game pretty much just uh, took away any faith that the Detroit Lions had of potentially coming back. But – uh. Outside of that, again, just another week of just disappointment when it comes to this run t- uh, rushing attack, and it goes to uh, two things here. One, what is going on with the offensive line right now? Ryan Kelly looked awful in the, in that game. Look, he had several oper- several times where he looked out of place, couldn't finish blocks. I, I didn't I didn't know what was happening with him. Yesterday, I saw multiple times where he got beat off the line, where he got pushed back, where he looked like he didn't know who he was blocking. It it, it looked like 
he had no idea what was going on. It was really, really weird. So I don't know what happened there with the offensive line and this whole offensive line all year long has been uh, has been terrible when it comes to rushing the ball. I don't understand why. And also, another thing, we don't really have to go into this, but it's true, that this team misses Marlon Mack more oh. than anything. They miss him so much right now. Marlon Mack, this offense, this rushing attack is a lot different than what it would have been throughout this whole season. But, you know, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to talk about this because I checked the comments on our on our post game reaction. There's a lot of people calling me an idiot. A lot of people calling me out for essentially saying this. And I want to get your take on this, Derek, because I think this is a fair take. Okay, Jonathan Taylor. He has been pretty good this season. I would say he's he's had his ups, he's had his downs. Um, but la- you know, it's fair to say yesterday wasn't his greatest game rushing the football. Right. Now, you can blame Frank Reich. You can blame whoever, blame offensive line, whoever. There were some moments where it was on JT, okay? Oh, yeah. It yep. was. And, you know, obviously he got hurt, um, so he couldn't really control that. But Jordan, Wilkin come, Jordan Wilkins comes in in the same game, and he starts actually being able to run the ball. The Colts actually be able are able to be more efficient. And like we've said, the Colts have struggled to run the football, but I would venture to say this is probably one of their better days running the football because of Jordan Wilkins. And I think it's fair to say, you know, we said it early on, Derek, when Marlon Mack was still here, when he was still healthy, we didn't envision Jonathan Taylor just taking the number one spot and everybody else getting no carries. We envisioned Marlon Mack and then sprinkling Jonathan Taylor. So based off of what we saw from Jordan Wilkins, who keep in mind, He's been behind this offensive line a couple seasons, right? Jonathan Taylor has been behind this offensive line seven games, no preseason. Does it make sense for Jordan Wilkins? And a lot of people freak out when you say who's the starter. But in reality, no matter if Jonathan Taylor or Jordan Wilkins is a starter, both these guys, if healthy, are going to see a good share of carries. I think they should. Yeah. So what do you think about that potentially happening where – where Jordan Wilkins and Jonathan Taylor kind of split carries a little bit more. And Jonathan Taylor learns a thing or two about patience, about you know some things that Jordan Wilkins is really known for in running the ball. He's not the flashiest player in the world, but he gets the job done. He's so efficient. What are your thoughts on that? I'm curious. Because, look, uh, yeah, like you said, people are too stingy when it comes to – the starter for the running back group of the Colts. That 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 has never really been a concern to me because the Colts always uh, dish out multiple snap counts to a lot of different guys in the running back room. The Colts know they have a bunch of different guys. And when we say starter, that doesn't mean Jordan Wilkins is going to get 80% of the carries and Jonathan Taylor is going to get 15% and Naheem Hines is going to get five. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It's more like Jordan Wilkins will get 60%. Jonathan Taylor will get 30% and, and Naheem Hines will get about 10%. I mean, that's what you should be doing right now. Jordan Wilkins is your hot hand. He knows yep. how to run behind this offensive line and get more consistent yards that helps this team move the ball early. People have to understand, 
The Colts are struggling right now offensively at the beginning of games because the run game's not going anywhere. We're not getting yards. Jonathan Taylor, as good as he could potentially become, right now is only averaging two yards a carry. That's not going to get the job done, especially early in games when you need to establish the run game early. You know who's able to do that? Jordan Wilkins, who this season is averaging over four yards a carry. That is what you need right now, is Jordan Wilkins at the start of games to be the one to take over, get those three, four, five-yard carries that help put the offense in better position going forward early. You establish it early, and then when you get into the second half, Jonathan Taylor is there and ready to go. He's able to be that fresh body. The defense is going to be worn down in the second half because of Jordan Wilkins. And then Jonathan Taylor opens things up for you even more. That was what we wanted in the first place with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. I don't see why people are so high strung on saying Jonathan Taylor needs to take a step back. Jonathan Taylor did not have an offseason. He had no offseason. People, you forget that. You forget that all of a sudden uh, that he was supposed to just come in and be this this god of a running back right away. Look, the offensive line has not been good all year. Understand that. Run blocking wise, they've been atrocious. But again, it's also been to the fact that Jonathan Taylor is not used to running in the NFL with bigger, stronger, faster guys you're, you have to make decisions quicker and you have to know how to cut back. You know how to have know how you know how to find holes. Jonathan Taylor is just not there yet. Just not there yet. He hasn't had an offseason. He had no preseason. Right now is about week three of the regular season and still minus a, a longer offseason. So, folks. Slow it down a little bit on Jonathan Taylor. Let the guy learn. Let him learn behind Jordan Wilkins. Let him watch him. Watch him. Jordan Wilkins has been amazing. Why keep Jordan Wilkins on the bench if it's going to help us? Right. So that's, yeah. that's my whole point. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with you. And, you know, this is always going to be a running back by committee thing. So why not make it that way? And, you know, just to clarify, because I know you said two yards a carry. That was last game. Overall, Jonathan Taylor's averaging 3.9 yards a carry throughout Jeez, the race. It doesn't even season. feel that way at all. Right. It really does not uh, feel so that way. He's had some games. Like, don't get me wrong. He's had some games where he's looked very good on limited <laughs> carries. So I don't want to just say Jonathan Taylor's been bad. He has not been anywhere close to bad, in my opinion. I think there's just things he has to learn. And, you know, talking about just him being a rookie and maybe lacking a little bit of vision – that was the same knock on Marlon Mack coming out his rookie year. First that was year. exactly what people were saying. Marlon Mack needs to develop better patience. What happens? He takes an offseason. He gains that. He'd be so much better the last two seasons than he was his rookie season. Marlon mm -hmm. Mack was, you know, he was just an athlete coming out of uh, US, US, UCF. And what happened? You know, what happened then? They developed him. They developed him. He learned under Frank Gore. And that's why I think it's just so important for Jonathan Taylor to do that, you know, not be forced into being the lead guy right away. That's a lot of pressure for, especially for a rookie to be forced into the lead role right away. Give him time to develop. Don't force him to be the lead guy and feel like I have to go make it. Cause he was, you know, we're looking at his highlights, man. He was busting off huge plays. I mean, you saw him 
uh, had a, from an Ohio State perspective, you saw him a lot. You mm-hmm. know what kind of talent Jonathan Taylor is. Yeah, he absolutely. was destroying people. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I watch as somebody who watches Big Ten football. You watch every week when it comes to to Wisconsin. This guy can play, and we get that. We don't. We're not saying he can't. And obviously, no. we're not giving up hope that at some point later in the year or a couple years from now that he could become the number one running back. We're not saying that. We're just saying right now. With Jordan Wilkins being able to get more yards per carry on a more consistent basis, and the run game seems to have a better feel to it with Jordan Wilkins at the moment, just let him get the predominant carries early in games. It could help the uh, it could help the Colts early in games because we said it before. This offense struggles early. It's had that problem for like the last four weeks of the season. Let let Jordan Wilkins be the answer to helping to move the ball a little better. And then again, like I said, Jonathan Taylor comes in later. It's not a huge deal. No, it's not. And, and it shouldn't become a big deal. Um, I just I think it's a smart move. I really do. I think if you're a coach, you see that and you're like, <laughs> okay, we're going to ride the hot hand. No offense to Jonathan Taylor. But yep. this is what we have to do right now. And I think it's going to help your offense in so many different ways to do that. And just sprinkle in Jonathan Taylor because he is a talent. He is a big back. And we saw in that, I believe it was a fourth and one. Jonathan Taylor, he got that first down because he's just a large human being for a running back. So I still think he needs to be utilized a lot in this offense. I just think maybe his role maybe needs to be a little bit different than it's been in past weeks because of what we've seen from Jordan Wilkins. And I think that's a fair take. And, and people can say whatever they want. We're not hating. We're not ready to give up on Jonathan Taylor by any stretch of the imagination. But the fact is Jordan Wilkins looked really good yesterday. And the Colts would be idiots to not use him more. They yeah, would. Absolutely. All right. Rant out of the way. Let's keep going. All right. Colts receivers looked pretty decent too. I mean, there was no eye-popping out besides Naheem Hines. There was really no eye-popping play from any of these receivers. Uh, Jack Pascal led the receivers with three catches on six targets, 44 yards. He was very consistent. Marcus Johnson had some key catches, two catches for 39 yards. Yep. Um, you know, Jack Doyle obviously had a touchdown catch, which was big. Mo Ali Cox had three catches for 37 yards. So we just seen again how much Phillip Rivers loves to spread the ball out. No receiver really is like, Oh my goodness, like Marcus Johnson had over 100 yards against the Bengals. You know, that's that's very rare, it feels like, with Phillip Rivers. Normally, yeah. he spreads the ball out to about every single person. So if you're playing in fantasy, it's kind of frustrating to get a Colts. Uh, <laughs> it is. You know, anybody it is. that's catching the football for the Colts yeah. right now. Yep. But that's great news for the Colts offense because, you know, you can, they, they can beat you with all these different guys, right? And, uh, and it's just great to see um, the Colts continuing to use – these guys continuing to see Marcus Johnson playing well. Uh, Zach Pascal had some key catches. Zach Pascal, man, he doesn't get enough love from us or from anybody. He's such a consistent receiver. And yeah. uh, we're not just saying that because he came on the podcast earlier this offseason. <laughs> I just love Zach Pascal, man. I love what yeah. he brings. He's ne- not the flashiest player in the world, but he's so darn consistent. He catches the ball, man, and, and he just helps you extend drives, which is huge. Yeah, and Phillip Rivers and him seem to have found – a really good connection when it comes to that uh, back shoulder throw. Mm-hmm. There's something about it. Those two have really figured it out, and it's been great to see. 
uh, Phillip Rivers having that confidence and knowing where to place it and Zach Pascal being able to make those catches is really good. And like you said, fantasy-wise, you do not want anyone on this Colts offense. Not a single person right now. But, I mean, you're right. It's hard to game plan when nine or ten different guys are making catches. You know, it's like, yeah. who do we who do we even game plan for? What do we do? Well, everyone gets the same amount of catches and the same amount of receiving yards. So, like, who do you go against? So, you know, it does help that, you know, defenses just have to really just you know, they just have to do a standard game plan because there's nobody to really target. And, you know, it, it might be frustrating to watch at times, but at the same time, it helps the Colts because nobody's game plan to uh, target anyone specific, which is great because then Phillip Rivers can take advantage of that. But yeah, it, it's good to see, you know, everyone getting involved. Uh, it helps later on down the uh, down the line when, you know, you need to, rely on certain guys when injuries occur even more and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it's great to see Phillip Rivers spreading the ball around still, and, and it worked this week. It did. And then you factor in Trey Burton, who second week in a row has a rushing touchdown, <laughs> yeah, which right. is crazy. I mean, this guy now has four touchdowns on the season, two in the two in the air and two on the ground. Trey Burton, he just does whatever you need him to do, uh, which is great to have. You have three really good tight ends that you feel good about. Um, but let's talk about one guy that's been a little bit of a disappointment, um, and that's T.Y. Hilton. I mean, we, you knew we'd have to get here eventually. T.Y. Hilton, he, he's injured. Uh, you know, we don't know the severity of the injury. It was a groin injury, I believe it was. So uh, we don't really know what that means. Him and Ashton Doolin both got hurt. So, uh, man, I mean, this is a, something we brought up yesterday in the, the chat, uh, was just what what is what do we have to think about T.Y. Hilton? Like, it just seems like, you know, he has games where you're like, oh, you kind of see a little bit of glimpses from T.Y. Hilton from a few years ago. Then he gets injured or he drops passes, whatever it is. It's just been a very forgettable year for T.Y. Hilton so far. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on that, man? I mean, he had a good he had a nice catch early on, but really he's been a non-factor this season. And honestly, Derek, this is really hard for me to say as a t guy who's loved T.Y. Hilton ever since he was drafted on this team. I don't think you re-sign him at this point. I really don't. But what are your thoughts on T.Y. Hilton? Yeah, I mean, it, it, he's going to be one of those players that, like, when he eventually retires or potentially leaves, that we'll have to do, like, a thank you video to T.Y. Hilton because, you know, like you said, for so many years, this guy has been the reliable option for the Indianapolis Colts every year. You know, this offense lives lived or died by T.Y. Hilton outside of Andrew Luck. So, you know, I mean, it, it, it is rough. It's been a rough year. Um, I'm not going to say yet whether or not I think he should go because, you know, I've, I've felt like I've been saying that a lot, that I think that, you know, if this pace keeps up, that the Colts should probably consider their other options. But, um, yeah, it, it's certainly been a rough year uh, for T.Y. Hilton, whether that's due to his drops being his fault or, you know, Phillip Rivers just, following an old game plan of spreading the ball around to everyone. Uh, maybe that's the biggest issue why, you know, T.Y. Hilton's not been a big factor. But, yeah, it certainly hasn't been a great year for T.Y. Hilton, and you hate to see it because, you know, you've seen so many years of him doing so many amazing, incredible things. I mean, 
for for the longest time, this guy was a top 10 wide receiver in the league. Whether or not you wanted to admit it or not, the stats actually proved it that T.Y. Hilton was a top 10 wide receiver in this league with Andrew Luck. And, you know, just to see where his career is at right now, at least this year, it, it's rough. It is. It's tough to see that from a guy that's been so consistent year after year. It's so hard to see that. We saw it with Reggie Wayne. Now it looks like we're maybe seeing it with T.Y. Hilton a little bit, which really it's just hard to see. It's hard to watch guys that you, you know, really root for and some of your favorite players just father time catches up to them. It's really tough to see. Uh, the last thing we'll talk about here, the Colts special teams, kind of an off day for them. Uh, we, we've been vocal on this podcast. We feel like the Colts have, if not the best, one of the best special teams units from returners to kickers to punters. But yesterday wasn't the greatest uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Wasn't the greatest day for these special teams. Block punt. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship misses two extra points. Just overall, not a great day for this unit. Yeah, it really wasn't. And he, he, thankfully, it didn't uh, cost us any. Uh, it didn't cost us the win uh, at the end of it. But you know, I mean, yeah, uh, Blankenship's got to get his focus back. Um, you know, it's bad enough to miss one extra point during the game. I would have let that slide because, you know, it happens every now and again. But then you miss two the same way. Like, you got to you gotta get yourself focused again, man, because you miss two in a, in a tightly close game like that. You, you cost your team the win that way, and that's, that's not uh, a good thing. But, uh, yeah, other than that, you know, uh, Sanchez obviously having that block punt just – Again, that first quarter was just atrocious for the Colts. We just kind of forget that ever happened. But, um, yeah, you know, it's a learning lesson. Uh, thank goodness that, you know, it came with a win, so it didn't cost them the win. But, you know, it, it's a good learning experience. You know, you, it it reminds people, you know, like the expectation you're setting on them. And, you know, maybe, you know, and the special teams guys will, uh, will certainly have a lot to talk about this week. There will probably be – a little bit of yelling, a little bit of uh, cursing in the locker room this week for the special teams guys, but I, I think they'll come back. I think they they'll wake up after this week because they realize a bunch of those mistakes again against a better team. That's that's going to result in a lot more points lost after that. Yeah, uh, and just just to clarify, I think on the on the first extra point attempt for for Blankenship that he missed, I think it was a bad snap and a bad hold. So I don't really hold that one against him. The second okay. one I do, though, like that's just inexcusable. Like he can't do that. Um, and then, you know, fortunately, when the blocked punt, I thought that Rot that uh, Rigoberto might be injured. And that was like, oh, no, what, what are they going to do? Like if he's injured, he's one of the best punters in the league. Fortunately, he was able to shake it off and come back. But like that is a scary moment when your puncher gets killed. He gets leveled. Uh, fortunately, he was good and he, he punted pretty good the rest of the game. But. Overall, just some things to clean up there. I mean, no no unit's always going to be perfect. Sometimes you have those things. And like you said, Derek, fortunately, uh, with these mishaps that happened, it was in a blowout victory, a 20-point victory. So mm -hmm. even though we don't like it, we'll take it. it. It'll happen. And hopefully they get those cleaned up when, when Baltimore comes to town, man, very, very soon. That's going to be a big game, especially with some of those injuries that Baltimore has had recently. And, you know, obviously with Marlon Humphreys also uh, getting COVID now, uh, a few players, key players out for this Ravens team, but we'll get into that later on in the week. So this was a very long podcast compared to yeah, very long, yes. long recap podcast. There was a lot to talk about here. 
great victory, lots of things to clean up. But I would say, honestly, this is probably uh, one of the better victories, in my opinion, of the season. Um, I mean, for all the things we said you need to be better at, the Colts still beat the Lions by 20 points. So I still feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Uh, any last thoughts, Derek, on this game or, or anything you took away from this game that we didn't talk about before we wrap it up? Colts fans, you need to stop finding so many negative things to talk about with these Colts teams, man. <laughs> Can you just enjoy the fact that this team is five and two? I mean, yes. good lord. I mean, we're we're a we're a unfortunate week one and a, a couple interceptions away from actually being seven and zero. Oh. So just. Enjoy the fact that we're five and two. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that Jacksonville loss does sting though. Now it even more than ever now. Yeah. Cause like, man, if we would have just taken care of business, we could be leading the division right now, but thank the Lord that for the Cincinnati Bengals beating yeah. the Titans. Now the Colts <laughs> and the Titans share the same record at five and two. And another interesting thing. So the Colts play the Ravens, they play the Packers, they play the Titans a couple times. All those teams lost yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I tweeted that the other day. Yeah, that's that's kind of funny to think about. So it's going to be a very interesting game. I'm really and, looking forward to this. And game. the Packers lost to the Vikings of all teams. Yes, we just we beat the Vikings earlier in the year, destroyed them. Dalvin Cook went off for four touchdowns yesterday against the Packers. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, like, that, that is crazy. crazy. And like, also people who are saying you almost lost to the Bengals. The Titans got spanked by the, the Bengals. Titans got spanked by the Bengals. Oh. They didn't just get beat. They got spanked yesterday. I mean, Joe take Burrow out that first look quarter, uh, or really that first quarter in that Bengals game, the Colts were trouncing the Bengals. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they scored 21 yeah. points in the first quarter. They scored six all the rest of the game. They, yep. <laughs> yeah, so. Yep. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for this recap. Thank you guys so much. Great victory for the Indianapolis Colts. I know Derek and I are hyped. The Colts brought the juice again. Hopefully they can do that against an AFC opponent, the Baltimore Ravens, next Sunday at home at Lucas Oil Stadium. That'll do it for this one, guys. Thanks so much. 